Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 91. Today we're looking at testing times for Philip, the disciple. And of course, it's not really going to surprise you if you've listened in at all that it's never really about one of the disciples. I mean, it is, but really the bigger story is what happens to Philip today will happen to us many, many times in our life. This is a testing time for Philip, the student of Jesus. And uh, I think as we look at this, the text is John chapter 6, that'd be the Gospel of John, New Testament. We'll see a lot of similarities between Philip and ourselves. And this happens a lot in the scripture because even though this was written 2,000 years ago, at some level people haven't changed that much, you know, in the sense that they're still scared, they still worry about things, they still you know, get frightened or overwhelmed or filled with grief and all the things that happened with Jesus and his disciples. Yeah, different things set us off in some ways, but we're, we're going to experience a lot of the same sorts of things. So today, what happens is, is that, and Jesus does this a lot, he takes a dilemma, a problem, he takes an uh, everyday problem And he uses the situation to show Philip something about himself. Now, this is a common, common pattern in the scripture, both the Old Testament, sometimes called the First Testament, or the New Testament, sometimes called the Second Second, uh, Testament. So Jesus takes us a problem. By the end of the lesson, Philip will have a more accurate understanding of himself as well as a more accurate understanding of God. This is going to happen to us all the time. You'll notice this. Self-knowledge and God-knowledge seem to go hand in hand. Self-knowledge and God-knowledge very, very closely, closely uh, together in our lives. So, If you've had a trying week this week or you've been pushed to your limits in some way or maybe you've been angry or frustrated, in the spiritual life, nothing is wasted. It's quite intriguing that God seems to use ordinary daily challenges and disappointments and malaise and restlessness and boredom, all this kind of normal human emotional stuff God takes that and uses the stuff of life to move us into a place of deeper understanding. And today we're going to take uh, we're going to take a look at Philip's resistance. Common thing, resistance. Basically, what Philip's saying in this text is, there's really nothing we can do about this situation. There's nothing we can do to help the situation. Uh, sorry, Jesus, there's really nothing we can do here. So, Philip, Jesus says, really? Really, Philip? Is that what you think? Okay, so here's the text. 
John chapter 6, the background is, actually this follows chronologically with last week's text. Jesus was out teaching. Large crowd followed him all day, has them sit down in the grass. And after hours and hours of teaching, it's late at night. And verse 5, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? There's the line. Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus said this to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. Now, the sneak preview is, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000, if you've heard that text before. It's kind of a well-known text. Uh, it's, the, it's the whole idea that the people are hungry and Jesus passes out the loaves and the fishes and he keeps passing them out and they're, they're distributed and people have more than enough to eat. That's the whole story. But at the front end of the story, Jesus said, Philip, what are we going to do here? These people are hungry. What, uh, how, are we going to, how are we going to feed them? So Jesus has this plan, but he wants Philip to learn something here. Now, a word on tests, by the way. Test, testing of any kind, and I have mentioned this before, but I like to keep repeating this because this sometimes is confusing for us. Tests don't tell God anything. God, <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, God has us all figured out already, right? We can't tell God anything. This is the one who has... <laughs> A beautiful line in, in the Old Testament says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. Very nice poetic way of saying, you exist because I hold you together, God says. So tests, testing times in life or challenges in life, they tell God nothing about us. What tests do and challenges as they are presented to us as we go through our lives, tests show us something about ourselves. Testings, testing times, challenges of various kinds, tell us something about ourselves. So this isn't really for, you know, when it says Jesus is testing Philip, Jesus already knows Philip through and through. This is for Philip's sake. So Philip, what do you think? Where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? And Philip says which makes common sense to me. Uh, nothing, he says. We can't do anything because six months, six months of salary wouldn't feed all these people. So he looks out onto the crowds, and there's thousands of people there that have gathered around for an, a, an entire day of teaching, and Philip's saying there's, there's nothing we can do. So Jesus takes this resistance that like there's nothing we can do, and he uses this opportunity to show him some, something. And this is what will happen in our, our lives. Common everyday challenges. Your in-laws interfering with you. Tension in your household. Your children not listening. Your parents dominating you and telling you what to do all the time. It's driving you crazy. Your spouse, your partner, completely unavailable, doing her own thing. Common everyday things, 
or being worried about the future, or what if we, what if I can't secure this job? All this kind of common stuff God uses to teach us things. A lot of stress and tension comes in our lives because the bottom line is we worry if we're going to get what we think that we need. Yeah, that's a big human constant challenge. I'm scared at some level I'm not going to get what I think I need. And now there's a reason why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' Prayer. Remember the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he gave them about six things to ask for. Wasn't that many. But one of the lines of the what we call the Lord's Prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. That's basically just means, that's about provision. Help us to trust that you're going to give us what we need. In what way? Food? Yeah, much more than that though. Everything. Because most of us don't worry so much about food, but we worry about all sorts of other things that we, we think that we might not get, that we really, really think we need, right? So back to Philip. Thousands of people hungry in front of them. Okay, Philip, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? Six months' salary wouldn't give them a bite, Philip said. Now, that's a legitimate answer. It's cognitive problem-solving. Philip's saying it's impractical. It's not going to happen. There's nothing here. We don't have enough money. Now, Philip is doing what we do all the time. We call it cognitive problem solving. It's necessary. It's important. We can't function well without it. But the spiritual life offers far more than life solely lived on this level. What we tend to do is analyze the problem, try out different scenarios in your head, choose a path. If that doesn't work, try something else. If that doesn't work, okay, back to analyzing the problem. Try out a different scenario in your head. Choose a path. If that doesn't work, try something else. Okay, we do all the time. It's necessary, it's essential. You can't get on in life without it. You wouldn't want to be without that skill. However, I think Jesus is showing us here in this passage that type of thinking, to stick to that type of thinking only, cognitive problem solving is completely inadequate. Logic and cognitive problem solving is just one facet of the diamond. It's just one way to approach a problem or a challenge. And it's often inadequate, as in this case, where there's thousands and thousands of hungry people and all the food trucks have gone home and there's no Five Guys burger anywhere in sight, right? Andrew, another disciple, says, well, there's a boy here with a couple of fish and, and some barley loaves, but what is that among so many? Again, it's that same practical well, we just don't have the resources, Jesus. We don't have enough. Our resources are too limited. So the test has shown, or will show, the students of Jesus that they believe that it is all up 
to them. Now, they're at a point in their internship with Jesus, because this is well into the second year. Uh, they should actually be further on in their understanding of trusting that God provides where there is no way God finds a way. But they're slow learners, because I think the disciples are like us. For the most part, we need to be taught something over and over and over again in the spiritual life before the penny drops. So Philip, Andrew, there's nothing we can do. And it's coming from that attitude of, it's all up to me, it's my smarts, it's my intellect, it's my organizing, it's my coordinating, it's me figuring it out. And yes, of course all these things are important. However, absolutely not the whole story. Absolutely not, because of course God's at work, right? And God is at work often hidden, often unseen, often invisible. And it seems to me that if this is ignored, this, this idea that God is at work, then we can miss out on a lot because some things cannot happen without it. Some things just don't happen without it. You just can't. So I think we can miss out if we don't sort of move on in our spiritual lives and expect uh, more. So Jesus says, um, okay, Philip, disciples, have the people sit down, get them ready to eat. Now remember, there's no, there's no bread, there's no fish, there's nothing there. So he's telling the disciples to prepare people to eat, and there's, there's no food there. And it's, this is the whole idea of God can make a way where there is no way. That is an amazing promise. It's actually from Isaiah 43, verse 19. But it's a line that says, just because you can't see a way doesn't mean there isn't any way. Just because you can't figure out what you're going to do doesn't mean to say that there isn't a way. Right? There's someone else here. So in this passage, Jesus takes the bread and the fish and he gives it to the disciples, his students, and he tells them to distribute it among the people. And they do. They start to hand out the bread. They start to hand out the fish. It's like, Philip, Andrew, you paying attention? Are you paying attention here? There's more than enough to feed everyone. Okay, so it's not all up to you. There's a point where we can rely too heavily upon ourselves. It's like Jesus is saying, Philip, sometimes you can't figure things out. Sometimes it's really not all up to you. Intellect can only take you so far. Trust leads the way. Trust leads the way. The old word is provision. We don't talk about that much now, but that old word is, remember the old phrase, God will provide, you know, is provision. Provision, really, whatever it is you're needing or thinking you need, it's a huge leap of faith, really, 
because there's no proof, there's no guarantee. It's a posture to our life. Jesus would say, yeah, it's called childlike trust. You, you look at impossible things and you see your complete inadequacy, but you're also open and you're expecting and you're trusting in the goodness of God. It's a whole new way. It's a whole, it's a different way of living, isn't it? So Jesus said to Philip, have the people sit down. Now, this is a kind of a subtle uh, teaching here, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try anyway and, and see if I can, see if I can explain this a little bit. Jesus said to his disciples, have the people sit down, get them prepared. Now, there's no fish, there's no bread, there's nothing to be seen at this point. In other words, he's saying to the students, get ready for me to do something here. Start getting yourself organized in anticipation of me doing something. So the students instruct the people to sit down and instruct the people to, you know, get ready to eat. Now, there's not any food yet. This is the important part. It's kind of subtle, but if you had been there at that, on that day and you had said to Philip, so what are we having for lunch? Philip would have said, I don't know. So where are we getting the food? I don't see any, I don't see any food here. Philip would say, I don't know. Jesus said, sit down and get ready to eat. We have no idea where this is coming from, Right? So the lesson is, if you, if you come across a situation and in yourself you know you really don't have all that it takes to do what needs to be done, however, you feel that it's the right direction, you're looking to God to help you, you're relying on God to come through, because if God doesn't come through, you're in big trouble, that kind of situation, that changes the way that you move forward. For one thing, you take an action. You do make a decision. You do move forward. But it's a quite different kind of moving ahead when you're depending on God. You see, sometimes people think that faith and trust has been passive. Oh, God will take care of things. I don't have to do anything. No, it's absolutely not passive at all. You're always moving ahead or you're always alert. You're not moving ahead if God says stop, but you're always moving ahead knowing that God will meet you. Yeah, it takes, it takes trust to live this way. But if Philip and Andrew hadn't moved ahead a little bit and said to the people, sit down and eat, or just gone home, they would have missed the whole thing. You see, they would have missed the lesson. It's not up to you, Philip. Andrew, it's not up to you. If it had been up to you, everyone would have been sent home. Everyone, yeah, half an hour ago, people would say, oh, sorry, food truck's gone, nothing here. Sorry, we can't help you. Thanks for coming. Hope you had a good day. Hope it was meaningful. Night, bye. Okay, and then they would have all gone home. And they would have missed the bigger lesson. What's the bigger lesson? You know that it's not all about you, don't you, Philip? You know that, Andrew, right? You know that. That there is one who finds a way where there is no way? Oh, yeah. What a difference this makes. I was 
fortunate to receive this teaching very, very early on in my faith life. I was about 20 years old. It's kind of an important age, isn't it? Because you're making a lot of decisions. And, and that whole idea that God can make a way where there is no way profoundly affected the direction of my life. Because I thought at that point, I'm thinking, well, I, I want to go to college and I want to go to the USA and I want to go to graduate school and I want to go to California. And there were so many obstacles. There were so many obstacles. Let's just say it helps having a few O-levels and hires, right, before you attend graduate school. There were so many obstacles. It would have been easy to say at so many points, I don't think I can do this. I don't really have the background. I don't, I don't think I have what it takes here. I don't think I can think my way out of this. Yeah, I mean, I had to rely on that whole idea that God can make a way where there is no way. It's like one of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh. It means in Hebrew, my provider. One of the very first names of God, way, way back in Genesis. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I am trusting in you. I am looking to you to, to show me a way where there is no way. There's the heart cry. I think that's one of the great lessons in the feeding of the 5,000. That when the disciples are at a loss, where they have no idea what they're going to do, Jesus shows them this other piece. God's at work. Even when you're clueless, God's at work. Yeah, Jehovah Jireh my provider. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.